Hey, welcome to Coin Talk. This is Aaron Lammer. I'll be joined shortly by Jay Kang for a classic Aaron and Jay bullshitting session episode. A lot of news to unpack this week. We talked about the recently announced Coinbase Index Fund. We talked about the trustee of the uh, Mt. Gox uh, bankruptcy horde uh, dumping on the market and how that may explain uh, the pretty terrible uh, downturn that has occurred uh, since the high in December. Um, all the best writing about crypto on Medium can be found at me.dm slash crypto. Medium is our partner. I really recommend you uh, hear this stuff from both sides, the bullshit side here and the uh, factual side over there. They've got stuff like, I think the Coinbase Index Fund announcement was actually published on Medium. So check that out. You can always get in touch with Jay and I at hi at cointalk.show. Let's do this. This episode of Coin Talk was taped Thursday, March 8th at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Bitcoin price index was $9,013. Hello, Jay. Hey, how's it going? How's the West Coast? Uh, Berkeley is lovely. I'm actually uh, I'm taping in the out of doors overlooking the foggy San Francisco Bay. Wow. Wow, wow. So if uh if you hear some uh some passing automobiles, some uh some natural life, uh you know I'm living that good life out here. Wh- living what? like a like a living like a Bitcoin millionaire out here. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, uh, that sounds very, very Bitcoin millionaire. Uh feet uh, outstretched looking at some of the fauna of the Bay Area and overlooking I'll, the Bay. I'll say um I uh, I ha- I'm I'm from here. I'm from Berkeley, California, but I haven't been back uh, much over the last couple of years, and uh, I've been seeing a lot of like blockchain conference T-shirts. I know. Uh, it seems it seems like the uh, the uh, the Bitcoin swag is strong here. Well, every time you go back to the Bay Area, as somebody who also lived there for uh, not as long as you, obviously, but for six seven years, every time I go back, uh, something is very different. But I guess I haven't been back since the blockchain t-shirts would have invaded, but I imagine that all I, the bars I used to go to in the mission now are filled, <laughs> filled with blockchain t-shirts. I feel like we could probably tape a live show by just <laughs> roaming through San Francisco with microphones talking to people about crypto. Yeah, like, any- Your chance on approaching a random man uh, in San Francisco, say age uh, 20 to 40, uh, which is pretty much uh, everyone in San Francisco, uh, very, very high uh, chance you're going to catch some Bitcoin interest there. Yeah, you can probably go pretty deep, too. You can just be like, so what do you think about the uh, price action on UBIT? <laughs> and they'll be like, listen. Um <laughs> uh, That said, um, this isn't like a uh, wildly uh, optimistic time to be dropping in uh, on either the uh, the the Bay Area crypto community uh, or tech in general. Like it definitely uh, it feels dark here. Uh, Have you seen Brian Armstrong yet? I have not seen Brian Armstrong Uh, as a fellow bald man, though. If I did see him, I think we'd probably uh, we'd probably just lock eyes and start talking. <laughs> is is that a bald thing? I mean, I, I'm not bald, but uh, do bald um, guys give each I, other a nod? I think so. Like, I feel like baldness is like not as strong as like say your Korean identity. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. like, we have something in common, especially if you see like a young a young bald man. I'm moving into the more typical 
bald man era. Yeah. But when I was like bald and I was like 22 and I saw another 22 year old bald man, we'd chat. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is the scarcity makes you more sort of tribal. It's like when I was in yeah. Mexico City 10 years ago and I saw one Asian in like two weeks and I definitely gave the nod and I was like, what's up? Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Um, so uh, how, how have things been uh, back home there? I, I have to warn you, I'm, I've heard the storming is bad and I am very fearful for the crypto cave. Crypto yeah. cave took on a little water during the last storm. God knows what's in there right now. Yeah, I, 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 if the if the crypto cave is not watertight, then it might be in trouble. Um, if so, the crypto cave floods, we're definitely doing a Kickstarter to <laughs> rehab the crypto cave. Go, and, go fund me. Um, so yeah, uh, so like, what has been going on this week? It seems like everything is going on this week at the same. Everything time. Everything all at once. It reminds me actually of when we were taping the basement tapes, and there was literally too much news to fit into each show. Like we yeah. would like write down all the news topics, and not be able to get through them. Um, the one that I've like been hearing the most from like people who are not super far into this it seems to have like penetrated uh into the uh not the mainstream media the mainstream audience um is the stuff that's been happening with coinbase announcing this index fund um that they're gonna do that covers uh, i think that the is it five coins that are on coinbase now uh four coins right bitcoin cash bitcoin litecoin and ethereum Maybe that was maybe that was an uh, Easter egg that I was just uh, uh, tipping. Tip <laughs> Wait, what do you know? What do you know about Ripple being on on Coinbase, Aaron? You are in the Bay Area right now, and you said you just saw Brian Armstrong. Uh, this is a this is actually a topic that um, I I feel like brings our brief crypto journey a little full circle because um, early on, like I think both of us did our first buys um, on uh, on Coinbase. Yep. And I remember saying to you, God, I wish I could just buy some kind of like an, uh, a fund that was like based on these coins that they have on Coinbase. Because like, I basically just bought equal Bitcoin, Ethereum and Litecoin. I was like, this is kind of ridiculous. Can I just buy like crypto Coinbase? And now you can. Or now they've announced that you can. Yeah, I so was. before. I would say, Aaron, for uh, two people who have absolutely no financial background and are generally pretty dumb about math, I feel like you and I have created a lot of fake uh, financial products. (laughs) We uh, we created the Coinbase, uh, the Coinbase security or the, you know, like, I guess the 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 fun that they're putting out now. We thought of that. We did. We were the only ones who thought of it. Uh, at some point when all the when all the and I talked about this over a coffee with someone who works at Coinbase. So Uh-oh. it could be true. It could be. Uh, it could have right. been my idea. I don't want. Hey, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to say anything too crazy. But uh, I also there are some other indexes that I that I think we should uh, create because really this is a pretty vanilla, boring. Oh yeah. Uh, index. But why, why don't you go. just tell? Why don't you tell the listeners who don't know about this index what it is? Yeah. So well, let's talk about actually how it got announced. The way it got announced was kind of interesting. There was all of these messages coming out from CNBC Fast Money that said, we're having on Ripple's Brad Garlinghouse and uh, not Brian Armstrong, but someone else from Coinbase to make a major announcement. And yeah. obviously, this is tipped to make you think that they're going to announce that Coinbase uh, is supporting Ripple. Yeah, right. and totally understandably, it's akin to being like if there's like let's say like Kevin Durant is a free agent, uh, which yes. he will be next, and uh, and Kevin Dur- and 
ESPN says, we are going to make a major announcement and the two people are going to be Kevin Durant and the and Mark Cuban, you know? Yeah, and then yeah. people are going to be like, oh, maybe Kevin Durant is going to the Dallas Mavericks. Like, uh, there is no other real conclusion to draw from any of this because why would they have Garlinghouse and, and uh, Coinbase representative on the show and then, like, say, like, you know, and pimp it all day long as being huge announcement, huge yes. announcement. And I immediately was like, well, they're not going to announce Coinbase uh, supporting Ripple because that would be way too odd. Like you would not tip your hat that way. If that was actually the announcement you were going to make, you would only do it in a fake out. So my, my guess and my guess before, and still my guess is they randomly managed to book Brad Garlinghouse from ripple and this uh, Coinbase employee on the same day. And they were like, Ooh, I can see a rumor. We could start real easily here. <laughs> I actually would, will go more conspiratorial than you. And, uh, yeah. you know, I will hedge by saying that this uh, show is neither investment advice nor libel. Man, a giant <laughs> weed cloud just wafted by me here. It was super crazy. The minute you said conspiratorial, it's crazy because I'm on a second floor balcony and I'm not in like a densely packed urban area. And I like you could almost see the smoke that wafted by. And I will say, since I'm the also the host of the Stoner podcast, it did not come from me. I had nothing to do with this cloud. I love I, I look the great conspiracy theory about all of this is that there's a lot, you know, Brian Kelly, uh, who is one of the hosts of CNBC Fast Money and is the number one meme in the entire crypto space. You know, yeah. he's very interested in Ripple and has done segments telling people how to buy Ripple, you know, saying Ripple is great. And so, you know, you know, maybe there is some sort of conspiracy out there. Maybe they did want to float this rumor. And maybe, you know, right before the actual news segment started, maybe somebody dumped. I mean, I'm not saying any know. of this happened, but this is well, the type of uh, this is the type of conspiracy theory that is common in crypto. And when you do things like this, like CNBC did, you know, it, it's actually kind of, you know, like, what do they expect? Of course, they're going to get these sorts of accusations. Well, I think it's, Ripple went up, um, you know, five or 10 percent just during the day leading up to this. And I'll admit, I thought about buying some Ripple because I, oh, was, no. like, oh, I was like, no, oh, I don't so think dirty. it's going to happen. Where are your principles? <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen, but like, why not like hedge my own instincts a little bit? I'm glad I didn't sure. because Ripple had already come up a bit by the time I thought about it. And I was like, well, I really don't want to get dumped on here. Like this would just be the worst kind of dumped on. So basically, um, as I understand it, and I haven't like really looked deeply into this, um, Coinbase is going to offer a fund that offers. I don't. I guess are they futures? They're not really futures. I don't. I don't know. No, what the it's financial an index term fund. Is. It's like buying a spider fund, like an yeah. SPDR fund, yeah. like an S like and P index fund, or if you can buy it through VOO or where, however you want to buy it um, in the stock market. And it is all the coins that Coinbase offers, which, which as we said which before, are Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ethereum Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Cash, and Litecoin. And Litecoin, yep. And they're and that represented they're, in the fund based on their market share. So yeah, if you buy into the fund, you're buying more share. than 50% Bitcoin. You're only buying a little bit into Bitcoin Cash and Litecoin, um, but you're getting exposure to all four of those coins. Yeah, yeah. And that... Uh, the other big detail about this, which I think is probably the most important detail, is that it is only open to accredited investors, which means that you either have to have a net worth of a million dollars or you have to make more than $200,000 a year. Which means I can't buy. 
Too well, bad. it means that a lot of people in crypto can't buy. Look, you know? look. Uh, if you want me to be able to buy into this fund, sponsor the show for for God's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Tip Brian, me over the edge. We've never said anything bad about you or Toshi or Coinbase. I don't. I don't ever. care who. No, I'm not saying Coinbase should sponsor the show. I'm saying anyone should sponsor the show so I can get my income over two hundred thousand dollars, so I can buy into the fund. Um, All right. So yeah. let's let's think of a, a world in which. Uh, you have the money to buy into this fund. Yeah. Does it interest you? I mean, you're not owning Bitcoin, right? Like you're buying a financial product. Does it interest this, you? This is probably the clearest evolution of my thinking on crypto from when I first bought on Coinbase to now, which is I think when I first bought on Coinbase, I would have loved this idea. And I basically did something like this. I bought Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin, not exactly in that order. I bought probably too much Ethereum and Litecoin to represent the way the fund works. But I basically thought like, okay, like these are the like, these are the the big hitters. This is the like main stuff. Great. And since yeah. then, a couple things have changed my thinking on this. One, I've lost a lot of faith in Coinbase. So I no longer think like, oh, it's vetted by Coinbase. Like, it's great. Like, I don't necessarily think that coin the, the, the coins that Coinbase chooses uh, are somehow represent, representative of what's important uh, in crypto. And I also think that if more and more people get further and further away from the coins themselves, if you create products that are greater and greater abstractions, um, it does seem like at a certain point it undermines the whole intention of the thing. If somehow Coinbase, like if somehow half of the investment in crypto becomes people who are invested in this spider fund that Coinbase maintains, that feels like the ultimate form of centralization to me. That that makes Coinbase wildly powerful and anything they added as a coin would become wildly successful just by being included in this set. That's right. I, I think it is a way for them to accumulate their own power yeah. um, and to add things to manipulate the market, you know, so anything that they add is going to manipulate the market. So if they and there are things with big market caps that they could add that would actually crowd out something like Litecoin completely, sure. you know, if it's still going to always be proportional. And if I read the, the uh, news about it, right, which I think I did. The uh, when a coin is added, it instantly becomes part of the fund. So there's not even sort of a transition point, you know, or there's not a uh, sort of like, you know, there's no grace period. And so you can just add Tron, for example, you know, yeah. or you can add something like uh, Stellar Lumens or Ripple. These things that have these sort of big artificial market caps, you are going to instantly pump the value of of that cryptocurrency, but you're also going to wildly swing the the sort of makeup of this this index fund that you've created, and that what you've essentially done is you've taken away from the investor their ability to deter to make determinations, uh, you know, between different types of cryptocurrency. So if you don't like Ripple because you don't like pre-mined coins and you don't like that type of project, like you don't really have a choice in that. And I guess that the their their response to that was like, well, then don't buy the index fund, you know, but. Sure. Uh, it does seem antithetical very much to the sort of mission of crypto, which is, you know, like having a decentralized form of money, uh, buying these things that can be used eventually as crypto, as currency, even if they're not used very much as currency now. Um, and it certainly, certainly, certainly tries to put Coinbase as a central driver. Now, I don't know what the volume of this thing is going to be. 
just because it's like you know it's i don't think anyone make two hundred thousand dollars a year (laughs) i don't think anyone does but i mean there's lots of products that are huge that um require accredited investors i mean the real target for this product may not be the people who were going and buying 0.1 bitcoin on coinbase they may be the fund managers the family wealth managers uh the people who are investing other people's money and i think this would be a really attractive product to them like even though i personally dislike this product if I was considering investing in Coinbase, I would be like, this is a great product. This is like several people were like, oh, this DM me. We're like, oh, this is what I always wanted. And I understand that viewpoint because that was how I felt when I was less obsessed with this stuff. And I think it does represent a viewpoint for a lot of people who are like, hey, I think there's something to this crypto thing, but I don't really want to get hacked, robbed, etc. I just want like exposure to it in the same way that you might want exposure to any uh, sector in the financial market. And it, it makes a lot of sense there. Um, I just wish that it was a little bit more um, like the product that I would like would be more of a like design your own index and less of a like just hop on board our decisions. Like I still don't even really understand why Bitcoin cash is in there. Like I don't it doesn't seem like um, you want to be supporting both Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin. Like, well, their their explanation for that would be that uh, you know the people who went through the fork should have their Bitcoin. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, That's probably a, um, it's probably a stupid view that any of these things like shouldn't be in there. Um, but we've talked about. So I have some ideas for some other indexes I'd like to see. Uh, one of them would be like the privacy coin index, and that's something that I've sort of built in my own portfolio. I have Monero, I have Zcash, I have a few of the low micro cap coins like <coughs> Sumo. Um, and, <laughs> How's Sumo doing, by the way? Oh, dude, it's grim. It is grim. <laughs> I'm approaching a break even point on Sumo. I was at one point, I believe, 7x on that same bag. <laughs> it's probably the grimmest shit that's happened oh, to me no. in crypto. Um, so, beyond, but look, that wouldn't have really like, ta- I mean, I think Monero's tanking too, so not a huge surprise. Monero's really gotten, it hit an all time high and then really got crushed uh, during yep. this last crash. But um, I guess I think it would be cool if there was different indexes that sort of represented different interest pools in this stuff so that it wasn't just this top four kind of thing, but that there was actually almost competition amongst the indexes. But why, why would you do that instead? First of all, I, I know that Grayscale, which is the first ETF that launched around Bitcoin, right? Sure. They're, they're launching some more products based on, pegged on other cryptocurrencies, but nothing like the the thing that you're talking well, about. Well, I have a question about that, though. So the reason that I was turned off by the, the those kind of products is that you pay like a huge premium. You lose yeah. a ton of your profits uh, in, in like against Bitcoin and you don't get covered on the same losses. So it just seems like a way to sort of uh, like lop off your profits for no reason. In this Coinbase yep. index fund, do you know what percentage you pay um, against actually just holding that assortment of coins? Uh, they haven't said. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have no details about it really, except yep. for the fact that it's only open to U.S. accredited uh, investors. I, I, I think that, uh, I mean, my argument to you about these other index funds is that you could just own the coins, you know? Um, you can, yeah. but I but I think if a lot of people choose to invest this way, then 
the projects that aren't included in indexes will suffer comparatively. Like I think this gives those four coins a huge leg up, just like being in Coinbase in the first place gave them a huge leg up. I, Litecoin I, I, like, is only Litecoin because it was in Coinbase. No offense to the people behind Litecoin. They, yeah, they and Charlie awesome. Lee worked at Coinbase. Yeah, like, so, uh, so it really so like I, I, it distorts the market. And I don't think, like you said, manipulate. And it's like, I don't know that there's a nefarious intention to it, but it just... It's so big that it moves the market and it feels like there should be a counterweight somewhere moving the market in other directions. Oh, man, I I think that the potential for manipulation of this stuff, because it is going to be accredited investors and because uh, there's no regulation or transparency on any of this, uh, as was seen by Coinbase's adding of Bitcoin cash. I actually think that the potential for manipulation here is pretty scary. And uh, you know, I, I look. I, I. It would. It would be great to have more faith on Coinbase. I know we bash it a lot on the show, but like you know, everything just seems to be headed towards uh, you know this greater world of centralization where they want to be like the. I don't know. I heard. I saw a uh, article today describe it that they want to be the Google of crypto, which I think is probably pretty apt. And look, that's their right. It's just that you know. Crypto well, is not supposed to have a Google. <laughs> that, I mean, that's a that's an interesting idea. Um, I feel like we were supposed me, you, and I should disagree more on this show, but I unfortunately we seem to agree on this. Um, the way that 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 this scares me is that, like, I think at one point there was a report that ten percent <clears> of all <throat> the Bitcoin uh, was held by Coinbase. So ten percent of all of the the liquid coins in the world are stored in custodial wallets in Coinbase. Yeah. For people listening, when you own a coin on Coinbase, you don't actually own like one specific coin that you can like like look at and know the uh, you know know anything about. You basically just have an account that has four coins and they have a giant custodial wallet that has all those coins in it. And what this and 10% just alone is already a lot. But yeah. if people start pumping huge amounts of money into this Coinbase index fund, my understanding is they will buy and hold Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash to represent those holdings that are held within the fund, which if this fund is a success, could push the amount of uh, the market that they hold in their custodial wallets even higher. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah, it is really... Uh... Look, it's what they're supposed to do as a company, I guess. It's but, certainly you know, what the the Silicon Valley. I, I do think it's something that the I do. do think it's something that the crypto community, you know, the 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 crypto community that believes in decentralization, uh, should be fighting very hard against. Um, and I don't know. I, I guess I don't see that yet. But we still don't know what's happening. So maybe there's nothing to worry about. Yeah, uh, I think that even I mean, a lot of these things are interesting in, in relation to the existing technology world, because I don't believe the, the motives are evil or nefarious. But there are these unforeseen consequences of putting a lot of the coins in one place or having one company control them. We've already seen some of those consequences, not in, in crypto, but in other uh, areas of technology. Uh, things like Facebook, where we just are like, we don't really know what the effect of putting the whole world on one social net, you know, putting like a third of the people on earth onto a single social network is. And now we're starting to see what happens in those situations. I don't really know what the effect 
of putting so much wealth, uh, so much of the actual coin wealth into a single place is going to be. But we have seen previous examples of how this can go wrong. And this brings me to the other thing I'd like to talk to you about, um, which is Mt. Gox. Uh, Mount Gox oh, yeah, was it's back. It right. never goes away, and it will never go away. This is the this is a theme I think on this show is whenever something bad happens, like in a couple of years, <laughs> the same bad thing will happen again, or like an unforeseen like secondary aftershock consequence will hit. So, um, Mount Gox was also a custodial wallet, the place where a huge amount of the world's uh, Bitcoin was concentrated up until, what was it, 2012, 2013? Yeah. And I think it was 2013. It was hacked, or I guess hacked repeatedly, looted. It was like basically like, uh, it was like uh, kind of like that movie Small Type Crooks where they like blow a hole in the side of the, that Woody Allen movie where they like try and dig a hole so they can slowly take everything out. It was kind of like that. Like they successfully opened up a, a hole in the side of the vault and just very casually <laughs> taking, moving shit out that of That is there. the first time I've heard small time crooks worked into an analogy and I salute you for it. I feel like it's the second time I've done it this week and I don't know why I think about that movie quite a lot, but uh, you know, it okay. has nothing to do with Woody Allen. So, um, um, Mount, so A, I think that Mount Gox is, uh, a cautionary tale about putting all a large portion of the world's coins in one place. Um, I think yep. we learned that that can be very dangerous and I would be the most optimistic if no <laughs> one even held 1% of the world's coins in a custodial wallet like that. Except I think Satoshi. Be, except Satoshi. Satoshi is all he's got. He gets a pash. Uh, so what, what, what happened with Mt. Gox? Mt. Gox didn't lose all of its money. It just lost a huge amount of its money, which meant that there was still um, some leftover after Mark Carpolis, uh, uh freaked out and avoided going to jail. Uh, it was given to a Japanese uh, overseer who was supposed to take it through bankruptcy and um, in some manner distribute uh, the funds to the people who had lost uh, money in the Mt. Gox hacks, lost Bitcoin in the Mt. Gox hack, which meant that this person, even with the uh, l uh, lessened load of Mt. Gox, became one of the largest holder of Bitcoin in the world. Yeah. And, uh, the, and there, there is part of the, uh, If I, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, there's part of the settlement, which was actually just happened like recently, instead of the people who owned Bitcoin, like let's say you own 10 Bitcoin at $10 or $80 or whatever it was when it got ha hacked, instead of getting rights to those 10 Bitcoins at their current value, you just got the actual cash amount of what those Bitcoins were worth at that time. Yeah, it's a very strange uh, interaction. I mean, if you're one of those people, it's probably a fairly terrible interaction. Oh, uh, it's interaction. terrible. Because instead, like, uh, instead of having like, instead of having like, you know, $110,000, you get like, uh, 800, you know, right. so like that, that's the type of thing that they were dealing with. Right. Yeah. But so, I mean, it makes sense because they don't have all the coins, but the coins have appreciated. So they maybe have enough money to pay people back at a frozen value of what the value was then, which is a, something of a slap in the face. I didn't actually realize this. I hadn't followed the story super closely. I knew that there was, <laughs> wait, wait, let, 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 let's explain what happened. Like okay. what happened? So, Basically, in order to give these people their fiat, uh, they have to sell 
the Bitcoin on the open market. And this is a lot of Bitcoin. Uh, and the trustee has been dumping, uh, I think, starting in December and has basically... 19,000 is yeah. when they started. So they're selling the top. Man. They sold the top. <laughs> that was right. But they've also sold all the way down and have yeah. been selling all the way to the bottom. And, I, you know, you follow volume a little more closely than I do, but... This is certainly part of the story of the ride from nineteen thousand uh, dollars down to where we are now, below ten thousand. Uh, if yeah, someone is so, selling this kind of volume, and particularly just selling it willy nilly, just saying I'm going to sell it regardless of what the price, I'm just going to keep selling. That is not good for the price of Bitcoin. Like if you are a candle watcher, right, uh, and you are somebody who believes in the basic rudimentary ideas of. TA. Not, this isn't even t technical analysis. This is really just like why things go bad. Yeah, this is like you have Econ a huge volume spike. If yeah, someone is just going to keep off. selling most of the stuff at any <laughs> price, that's not good for the price. Well, it, it, but it's also you could see it in the charts, you know, and some people did some interesting uh, did some interesting like, I guess, exegesis or postmortems on this where they're like, holy crap, you can actually see these huge volume spikes of cells, you know, yep. happening. And then when that happens, it triggers a panic because people are like, holy shit, why is everyone selling? You know, like, is Korea going to ban Bitcoin? Like all those types of questions start yep. uh, bubbling up. And in the end, it, a lot of it really was was this one dude was just crushing the market and selling large, large, large amounts of Bitcoin. Uh, and Every time he did it, the market would obviously go down. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think this guy it really, had a big deal. I think it really shows how stupid you and I are and how we should avoid uh, ever thinking that we have, like, a grasp on this. Because <laughs> I feel like our like the way we think about this stuff, and I think it's way how a lot of people who are enthusiastic think about this stuff, I think a lot about the individual psychology of someone with, like, a Bitcoin wallet and whether they're going to sell or hold. And I imagine them reading the news and get inside their mind. And then I'm like, oh, actually, the guy who was moving the market was a Japanese trustee who has no relation to any of this stuff and has his complete own agenda, has his own bosses to answer to, his own investors to answer to. And that person may have more power over the market than every mom and pop Coinbase customer in America combined. Yeah, I mean, he was selling what, like uh, eighty thousand or something like that. I think it was four hundred, uh, about four hundred million dollars worth in total. Is that what they said? Yeah, I mean, and he just kept like it was like I look. If any of you have done any sort of trading, you know that uh, you could just like hit sell, <laughs> like you <laughs> press a button to hit sell, and then the money pops up in your account. Yeah, that's what he was doing with four hundred million dollars. He was like, I, I just like I wish that he had taken like a screen video of himself, yeah. like be like, well, I'm gonna sell off eighteen million right now, you know, uh, sell, and then just see what happened because uh, I had like, a really, it must have been pretty crazy. I had a really dumb reaction to this, which was I was like, well, that's fucked up. He should have at least announced that he was gonna do that, and I was like, oh. oh. That would have been even worse. Yeah, yeah. Well, look. I mean, as uh, as 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 always, you know, we're sort of at the mercy of uh, of things that are completely opaque that we don't fully understand. Yep. And this and crypto, you know, is like the stock market times ten in that. But this one was just funny because of the Mount Gox uh, connection. I think um, it does connect to the Coinbase thing, though. Like, I think that. The fact that Mt. Gox accumulated all these coins and there's all these unforeseen consequences 
Like, um, put a bookmark in uh, 2022 when me and you are uh, doing like episode 200 and something of this show. We're going to be hearing about some weird, unforeseen consequence of the uh, Coinbase getting so many coins in one place. Like, there oh, is yeah, a problem sure. with putting all these things in one place. We think of getting hacked, but now that someone's gotten hacked, the next one isn't going to be someone getting hacked. It's going to be some other weird consequence. It's going to be Brian Armstrong sitting in his underwear on GDAX, like market selling 5,000 <laughs> Bitcoin at a time. From a, from a, Car- from a Caribbean <laughs> island. <laughs> yeah. uh, Brian Armstrong, please come on the show and, and sponsor yeah, CoinTag. I think we got um, right, to do so, like a pro uh, Brian Armstrong episode to like uh, woo him back. Yeah, and just send it to them. The, so uh, I wanted to talk to you about something that is a little bit lighter, I think. and But it is about Bitcoin the cash. The lighter uh, side of Bitcoin. Today, uh, a couple days ago, a music video came out, and it was a it was the first Bitcoin Cash rap song. Now, like one thing that you and I have noticed, which is very strange, is that uh, Bitcoin seems to have a lot of rap <laughs> associated with it. Yeah, um, like there are a lot of Bitcoin rap songs, but this was the first Bitcoin Cash rap song. So Wait, let, I, let's listen. That, to okay, it let's listen. To, but okay, let's listen. Okay, my first question, this is the first Bitcoin Cash rap song? Because I've seen a lot of Bitcoin rap, and if there was two uh, constituencies that I would think would overlap, it would be uh, the Bitcoin Cash community and the self-produced rap video community. (laughs) Why is that? I don't know, they just seem like like weird, opportunistic, SEOing YouTube kind of vibe. Yeah, that's true. That is true. That is true. I mean, I, I think that there could be like kind of a... I, I think that what this is trying to do is set off like a rap battle, you know, which is obviously uh, something that YouTube is very, very uh, used to, but like there are, there are lyrics. So like, uh, you know, I don't know if you could hear it in the segment you heard, but I want to read you some of these lyrics. All right. Okay. Hit um, me with it. Hit me with those This bars. is at the end. This is at the end. You know, remember in Hit Em Up at the end, when Tupac's, when everybody's done rapping and yeah. Tupac just starts talking. Yeah, Tupac's uh, like, I couldn't th- fit all these names in here, but fuck all these people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is what this is. <laughs> hey, fuck Bitcoin core. You're just a bunch of names. We the BCH gang, we run this game. So before you start talking, just consider the fact that we're the real money makers. We got millions in cash. And bitch, we strive for success. We defined as the best. And if you want your life to be blessed, then come out and <laughs> invest, just like I did. And now my wife's breasts have doubles in, doubled in size on her chest. <laughs> so, oh, this this reminded me something about the Mount Gox story that I forgot, which is one of the reasons that uh, there was this the, the dump was so big was that all those coins dated back to before the fork. So they were also dumping massively on Bitcoin cash. Yeah, they're bit, yeah, yeah. So, but okay, so I I, I want I want you to respond to one question about this, Aaron. I'm very interested in how this is going to turn into a question. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, do you think that there can actually be like a sort of, I don't know, like a, a, a kind of media like this around Bitcoin? Like, can there be Bitcoin <laughs> there, movies? There is. Can there be Bitcoin there songs? There already is. It already exists. <laughs> and, There's already like hundreds like, of Bitcoin rap videos. All, like things like this. Um, okay. I'll say this. I'll say this. I think as Bitcoin becomes bigger and bigger and crypto becomes bigger and bigger, it's going to seem more cultural and less technological, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah. I think these cultural ideas about what it means to, to be a part of it or to back it or whatever, whatever that becomes, like, I expect we'll be talking more about it as a, a cultural phenomenon and less about it as like, uh, the lightning network is a second layer protocol. Like, well, I think we're already there because like, look at, uh, look at the reporting that Nellie Bowles has been doing in the New York times that has been doing very, very well for the times that has been really, every time she drops a article, it becomes like a scandal in the crypto community. That's just all about crypto culture, right? Like, I, I mean, that, and that, that seems it's to be like, what people are It's like are shooting in. fish in a barrel, too. It's like almost any, like, almost any, like, where you look, you can find something, like, totally ridiculous and insane uh, to yeah, report on. Yeah, like this on. Bitcoin cash song. <laughs> like this Bitcoin cash song. They're, like, this is just the beginning. Oh, it will get worse. It will get worse. It will more, get dumber. It and, will get much dumber. And I, and I don't yeah. think it's going to be mostly Bitcoin. I mean, I think Bitcoin itself is large enough that like uh like silly like dumb news is not going to move bitcoin hugely but when you look at on down in crypto and this is probably why i'm starting to sour a little bit on like the sort of lower market cap stuff that stuff is so small that if you could somehow get like the national news to even cover that it exists you would be able to like overnight change the change the price pretty significantly and i feel like the next wave of all of this stuff is going to be crazy marketing. And when I say marketing, that's a flattering term for it. Uh, it's going to be <laughs> like a race to the bottom of how you can get the media to pay attention to what you're doing. And all I can say is uh, sponsorships of coin talk are wide open right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> also, all my tweets are for sale. All, um, uh, all Jay, right. Jay, so Jay uh, uh, you're, you seem a little on tilt on Twitter. Uh, recently what's going on what do you mean why am i on tilt on twitter Uh, i'm always slightly on tilt your your views seem to have turned a little dark so i'm i'm wondering how you're feeling about the market right now this is what happens when i when i don't see you for a week i generally gauge your sentiment based on your tweets oh well that's terrible because (laughs) I, i would never want to be represented by my tweets which is why i tweet uh I use a platform that does exactly that. (laughs) (laughs) It like broadcasts a version of myself that I think is worse than me, or at least I hope is worse than me. And I, I, I only use it to troll. Uh, And so I think it certainly is, you know, I, I I am a bit of a troll in person, but you know, my Twitter account is almost 90% trolling. So uh, yeah. Well, okay. So I'm looking at it right now, right? And we are the price of Bitcoin, and we are flirting somewhere between nine thousand and eighty nine hundred, which is bad, you know, uh, given that people were really thinking that we were going to crash through eleven five and go all the way up. 
And uh, I don't know, like, I, I, I think that when I read about this stuff, when I go on Reddit, when I go on Twitter, when I like read people whose opinions I trust, uh, they seem to all have the same sense that this isn't one bit of FUD, you know, it's not one big sell off. It's just that all the news right now is bad. So you have the Gox sell off, you have regulatory stuff. Yeah. Binance had some problems, you know, a huge exchange. Wasn't, had some a, wasn't all the, the news good like a week ago or something, though? Like, wasn't there a yeah. wasn't there a moment where we said all the news was good? Yeah, yeah. That wasn't now that long soured. ago, was it? <laughs> um, and so, uh, and right, you know, like we don't know why these things are happening. Um, I am right now looking at a gigantic red dildo, which is you know dropped it from about ten thousand five hundred to about ninety five hundred in an hour, and maybe that is Mr. Mount Gox. You know, maybe that is our Japanese friend <laughs> selling off some more. Certainly could um, be. But we, uh, I, I, I guess I am wondering now because Aaron, now like you know, the crash happened more than a month ago, right? The big crash. Yep. And uh, crypto went from the very bottom; it more than doubled, right? It went all the way back up to eleven thousand something, eleven thousand six hundred, I think, about was the top of this charge, and now it's going back down again. Um, how, how are you reacting to it? Because like, I, I nobody seems to have a good singular theory which i think is good because there is no singular theory that explains all of this but like has your general optimism changed at all um yes and no i think we talked about in the uh, the episode where we talked about tether i was like i remember my my ultimate like conclusion at least to myself was this is a little disturbing because there was like a, a a crash because of it but tether still exists all the tether's yeah. still there. So we won't really be past the tether until there isn't tether. And I'm not saying tether is or isn't a fraud, but I'm saying that as long as there's the possibility out there, we're probably going to see more negative price action as a result of tether. And Mt. Gox, this sell-off of these Mt. Gox assets had to happen. Like the people had yeah. to get their money and he had to sell them. Maybe they could have done them somehow trickled out in some way that was like less explosive or whatever, but it was going to come. So I don't think my underlying optimism has changed, but I'm becoming more and more aware that there are things that have to get washed out of the system before that ultimate rise can happen. And I'm learning that uh, there are many, uh, to quote Donald Rumsfeld, uh, unknown unknowns out there. <laughs> we don't know how many of these things we have to wash out before the uh, playing field will be level and uh, my original investment hypotheses can be tested. And so I think it's, for me, I guess that's an overall mixed signal. I have thought more about like, when I first got in, I was like FOMO'd like up to the gills and I was like, if I don't buy now, I'll never be able to buy. You know, I was yeah. like, I was like, this is my last chance to buy Bitcoin. Ah, I don't feel that quite quite right now. Right now, I feel like I'm like on like a like a lifeboat holding on for dear life. And there's a part of me that's like, would it be better to like get out or get partially out and kind of wait till some of these things that have to happen happen and then re-enter wherever it is because it's equally okay with me if I was re-entering at 5,000 or 20,000. It would still in some ways be better, I think, to get in uh, after some of, the, <laughs> some of the actors in the system have gotten out. How are you feeling? Well, okay. Well, I, I mean, look, I, as you said, it's been a rough crypto 
two weeks for me in terms of uh, how I feel about it, which sounds like an absurd thing to say. I, 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 all I, tend, feelings. To, I tend to uh, I tend to support your assessment of all of this, that there is like unknown unknowns that need to come to the surface. And, you know, for for a while it was like, OK, so and this was a known unknown. I mean, not to get so Rumsfeldian about this, but yeah. uh you know, the, the like an known unknown was like, what is Korea going to end up doing? Are they going to ban Bitcoin? You right. know, like that's a that's a known unknown that had to be shaken out. Right now, it seems okay. Like it's not doomsday there. You know, is the another is known the un- CFTC going to shut the whole thing? Yeah, down? Yeah, exactly. Like they're not. Like okay, another that's un- a known. Or like, how are they going to deal with it? Yeah. Or how like a known unknown was like the two X fork, which was a huge source of drama. You yes. know, uh, much bigger than anything that's happened. I think since I would say many rivers uh, to cross. Yeah, and and I I will say that I think that crypto I, look we're never gonna be we're never gonna reach a point where these things aren't happening in the space, right? Um, the counterbalance to those things always was that there was so much enthusiasm about it, uh, both from retail investors and from institutional investors, and there was so much hype about it. You know, like it was like anytime you turn on the news, uh, people would be like, "Wow, Bitcoin is up another twenty percent, and the S and P is only up like 087 percent or something like that." And then sure. that that sort of catapults people or vaults people who have a little more gamble in them to go buy this stuff. Um, I the only thing that I will say, and look, I, I like, and this is something that you and I, I think we should repeat as much as possible because some of these shows have been a little negative. Like you and I really do believe in the revolutionary technology and the revolutionary potential of cryptocurrency. We wouldn't be doing this podcast if we didn't believe that. I believe right? in, I believe in the revolutionary fun of cryptocurrencies. Yeah, and the revolutionary memes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, but right now it, it's like I feel like they're going to be more. Uh, let's just commit to Rumsfeld. There are going to be more unknown unknowns and more known unknowns that uh, you know are are going to come out. And I just think that a lot of them are going to have to start flipping positive for a bull, a real bull run to start. You know, not like sort of a TA based bull run where they're like, oh well, there was like a hammer dragonfly position, and that generally means bullish. I'm just talking about like a, a sort of change in the in the general feeling of amongst investors in this product like and that that i think will happen if for no reason because of just like randomness but uh <laughs> but right now i right now we're definitely we've flipped a lot of uh we've flipped a lot of tails in a row or yeah. heads or whatever is losing sight yeah i think i think i i think i buy that it's ironic like there's this weird um wacky world uh um like mirror funhouse mirror element where when the price was going through the roof there was a certain class and i think you might be somewhat included in this who were like oh god this is terrifying me like it's going up too fast this is like a huge problem and now the opposite is happening it keeps like ramming 11.11500 and violently tumbling below it which (laughs) you could say is healthy you know it's refusing basically to go back into its run to 19,000. Um, but we're reading the tea leaves as negative again. And um, overall, I'd say maybe that's like, maybe uh, ironing these unknown unknowns and unknown knowns and whatever other combination of known and unknowns <laughs> Let's invade Iraq. <laughs> can be in there. Yeah, what I'm saying is if we are in VAC, we can get Bitcoin back up through 11,500. Uh, no, but I think that maybe that's healthier. I mean, if these like if things like that Mount Gox 
uh, load or the uh, massive amount of tethers are basically toxins in the uh, overall system, uh, we will be healthier once we expel them. Would I maybe prefer to buy in after they're out of the system? Yes, but just like it's impossible to know when the bottom is, I think it's going to be impossible to know when to buy and when all this stuff has been rooted out. So I will continue to hodl. Yeah, and I do believe that there will become a time when uh, we will be and look, this is something we talked about a lot in the basement tapes. Also, I think in earlier episodes, which is that like what we really want. And, and we also talked about it with Jameson Lop, which is like what we really want is we want an atmosphere where you can make a good faith investment in a project because you think it's a good product project and you think it has potential um, for whatever reason. Right. And that it is uh, not going to be overrun by scammers, that it's not going to have these sort of fatal shady things happen to them that the that the exchange that they're traded on is not going to get hacked, you know, and we'll, we'll eventually get there. It's just like, you know, it's, we're, we're, we're probably not close to it right now. And, uh, you know, stuff is just, the price action is, is going to be volatile until we get to that point. Um, I was, and it's probably, it's going to all move in lockstep until that point too, because, you know, it's, it's really just one market. I was thinking this is the first week that I've really thought this way. Once all this Mount Gox stuff was revealed and I was just kind of thinking back on all the, uh, all the ways that the past uh, has come back to haunt uh, Bitcoin. Um, I was thinking, wow, this would be so much easier if we could just start over again. You know what I mean? If like <laughs> yeah. that we could have the Genesis block and the, the, the block size would be right. And like we, there wouldn't be, you know, these massive caches of unknown Bitcoin here and there, you know, the system is, I think, very democratic, and I think it's actually set up for not all the coins to be hoarded in one place. But even in the limited number of years that it's existed, um, various factors have conspired to make it more difficult. And I think it would get a better shake if it could start over again. But just like anything else, like you, you don't get to start over again. Like we can't, we don't get to go make a new constitution of the United States that like you know, corrects for some of the errors. Like we are playing, playing as a lay as we're playing on this history uh, that starts with Satoshi and the Genesis block and has weird things like a cache of Bitcoin in the hands of a Japanese trustee. You know, that's the history. Yeah. He's like, just dump. I wonder if he's enjoying dumping on everyone. I mean, like that, that was actually this news must have gone over of, crazy I, I, in Korea. Can you imagine? I, oh, we got dumped on by this Japanese guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I will say that, like, uh, I think that uh, that the uh, the crypto community basically being like, oh, well, why did he market sell it? That's so bad. I was like, this guy doesn't give a shit about, you know, whether or not the price of Bitcoin, what, what the Bitcoin community, he's just trying to sell it. You know, he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't owe us anything. And it's funny to see libertarians sort of making this argument, you yeah. know, where I'm just like, dude, come on. We need to, <laughs> it's we like need a, to regulate this damn trustee, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like uh, it's like the Big Lebowski where they're like, you know, like, what kind of nihilists are you? I sometimes <laughs> want to yell at them like, what kind of libertarian are you? <laughs> All um, right. Uh, anything cool. else you want to talk about? No, I think I think we're pretty good. OK, cool. All right. Later. This episode of Cointalk was taped Thursday, March 8th at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Bitcoin price index was $9,013. And that was Cointalk. Thanks very much to my co-host, Jay Kang. I edited this episode. Hey-oh. 
from a remote location. Uh, our partner in all this is Medium. Check out their crypto page at me.dm slash crypto. You can always send us an email. Hi at cointalk.show. We love to hear some mailbag questions. We've, the mailbag is almost full. There's only uh, space for uh, two or three more of your letters. So get them on in. We'll be taping that soon. Also, get in touch if you'd like to sponsor the show or suggest a guest. All right. Talk to you soon.